So, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Spending the day um, being here, yeah. arriving in kind of a lot of different ways, yeah, across different um, sets of conditions manifesting in different mind hearts, minds, hearts and bodies. But I think the commonality, whatever our experience has been today, has been the intention yeah, to turn towards our experience with interest, yeah, with kindness, perhaps with some playfulness, yeah, curiosity. And so this morning we brought that in, yeah, as we were exploring, okay, how is it to arrive? How is it to allow ourselves to meet this experience? Meet experience as it unfolds, and particularly uh, to look at our experience and see how it moves, yeah, how it arises, changes, passes, even if that's to immediately arise again. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes if we're looking at something uh, that we um, classify as unpleasant, that's, that's the arising and passing that we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, it's a painful sensation and we, uh, it's arising, it's changing, it's passing and whoo, it comes back again. <laughs> yeah. But still to see that change, to see that flow, that fluidity very meaningful. And speaking of uh, potentially unpleasant experiences, please feel free to make yourself comfortable <laughs> for this. So there was a question earlier about leaning against the wall or any of that. Please do. And then this afternoon we, um, you know, we brought in another lens through which to to meet our experience, to relate to our experience, the lens of metta, of goodwill, of uh, friendliness. And it could be helpful at the end of a day to, to just gently reflect and say, okay, how was that? How did it impact experience to um, meet it in, in different ways? How was it when we allowed when I allowed? How was it when I, I was interested to see that arising and passing of experience? How was it when I just had this intention, the intention to cultivate the intention <laughs> of goodwill, of friendliness? So really kind of helpful sometimes to just to reflect, how did that impact experience? How did that shape experience? And I'm going to do that unorthodox thing again to <laughs> actually invite if anyone has a reflection on that, how was that to actually hear your voice? 
here in the hall, if you wish. How did it shape experience to bring metta in, to bring friendliness, to bring goodwill? How did it shape experience when I tuned in to allowing or to the arising and passing of things? Let's see if anything comes. No pressure at all. Calming. So a sense of reaching out to everyone yeah, with that, say within that frequency of metta, of loving kindness. to stay just with one <laughs> person. Yeah. So feeling the, you can say, feeling the meta growing yeah. and the sense of generosity and wanting to give it out. Yeah. Yeah. So one way, I wanted to hear your voices a little bit here and keep, you know, feel free to keep reflecting. You may have much more valuable reflections than I'm going to be sharing here today. Um, but we can say, you know, this reflecting on how does the way I relate, how does the way I look at an experience, how does that shape it? Yeah. And we can say one way of looking at the path, at the teachings, yeah, one way of understanding them is that this path is a cultivation, yeah, a cultivation, a bringing into being, a nourishing of skillful ways of relating. Yeah, skillful ways of relating to experience. And what does that mean? Yeah. Nourishing skillful ways of relating. So one thing that it means is that actually, and we've already been saying it, <laughs> Um, there's always a way of relating. So our experience is always shaped, impacted by how we're relating to it. Yeah, always a way of relating. I'm going to give an example of this to, to make it clear. And I apologize because it's an example I've used many times. <laughs> yeah. So right, there was a period, yeah, a long time ago, <laughs> not so long, <laughs> when uh, Nathan used to make me a really nice cup of coffee uh, every morning. He still does. <laughs> yeah. Really nice. 
I promised him I'd say that. Really nice. <laughs> it makes a really good coffee. And so he would bring me this cup of coffee, and here's the interesting thing. Sometimes he'd, he'd bring me a cup of coffee, and it'd be like, <coughs> you know, I don't want it now, you know. You're, you're, dis you're disturbing me. <laughs> and seeing that, you know, kind of, oh, what's that, you know, what's that? So the way of relating, when there was some aversion in the mind, when there was some grumpiness on, in the mind, something nice happens and it just latches onto it. Yeah, it's an extreme example. Yeah, there's already some grumpiness in the mind. It's got nothing to do with the coffee. Yeah? Already some grumpiness in the mind, then it just latches onto that. Someone's doing something nice. Yeah? Most of the time, <laughs> just to repair my own image here, <laughs> most of the time, yeah, a cup of coffee comes and, of course, really happy, you know, what a nice thing, yeah. What a delicious drink, you know, what a kind gesture, all of that, yeah. And the mind is, you know, at ease, yeah. Relaxed, yeah. free of um, a high level of aversion or grumpiness, I'd say. But the interesting thing is, yeah, same experience, yeah. Same person <laughs> doing the same thing. Yeah. And dependent on the way of relating, dependent on the state of the mind, the experience is different, nice or not nice, pleasant or not pleasant. And if we reflect on our own experience, most of us know this. Yeah? We know this in our lives. Yeah. Same thing can happen, might be raining, yeah. and we need to go out. Aversion in the mind, that's a terrible thing. Yeah. We're in a good mood, there's no problem at all, or maybe it's even wonderful. Yeah. So we have the whole range and we can see it's the way of relating rather than the thing itself. That then shapes the experience. Yeah, makes it pleasant or unpleasant, wanted or not wanted. And so we can attune, yeah, we can attune, incline the mind, and we can cultivate the more skillful ways of relating, yeah, like metta. <laughs> yeah. Because we understand, ah, the result of that is less suffering, less suffering for ourselves, less suffering for others, right? That innocent person who's just brought us a coffee. <laughs> yeah. Less suffering for them, less suffering for us. So remembering, you know, Nathan said it a few times already, the experience of dukkha, yeah, ill-being. Yeah. Experience of dukkha, ill-being, stress, distress, discomfort, dissatisfaction, is dependent on conditions. Dependent on conditions. So we understand again and again, and we need to remember this again and again, the causes of this. Yeah. And therefore, there are things that we can do. Yeah, there, are there are possibilities. Yeah. So the freedom from dukkha depends on the understanding of it. And part, a major part of that understanding is that the way 
we are relating matters. Yeah. Has an impact. Yeah. Always a way of relating. The way we're relating has an impact on how we are experiencing something. So another example. It probably didn't happen to you today. Tiredness. <laughs> yeah, a big one. The first days of retreat, yeah. Anyway, on the meditation cushion, I had a lot of it today. Meditation cushion and tired. Yeah. Tiredness arises. Yeah. A natural, our conditioned, common way of relating to that aversion. Yeah. I want that to go away. Yeah. Now, if we don't kind of, you know, pay attention to that, that grows. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing is, the unpleasantness of the tiredness grows with it. Yeah. More aversion, more unpleasant. Right? Something we can uh, really explore and see for ourselves. Yeah. More compassion, yeah, or metta, maybe we're still as tired, but the experience might be a little bit less unpleasant or a lot less unpleasant. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And it opens up possibilities. You know, maybe you know, compassionate thing to do is to go and have a rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just opens up that possibility. But if we're in that narrow kind of field of aversion of struggle against, you know, it's me or the tiredness. <laughs> we're not going to think of that possibility, probably. Yeah. Just kind of stay in that struggle. So I'm really interested in that, you know, skillful or unskillful, leading to suffering or to well-being. Thank you. It's nice to know that someone is more comfortable and compassionate to themselves. So when we practice, typically, when we're practicing, and particularly in the early um, stages of a retreat, uh, we emphasize paying attention to um, what I would call less sticky um, phenomena, yeah, like breath, body, uh, sound, yeah, things that are, as Nathan said today, present, yeah, but we tend to get less entangled with them, yeah less messy for us. And we tend to kind of wisely <laughs> say, let's not get too involved yeah, with our mental and emotional life. Yeah? Areas that tend to be more sticky for us. Um, tend to be more charged, where we might get more lost, yeah? more caught up. And I just kind of want to say this evening, just to remember, we're doing that, we're emphasizing the less sticky, the more neutral um, phenomena. Uh, but, yeah, the mental and emotional are still there. <laughs> are still there. And it's important to acknowledge that. Why are they still there? Because there isn't a full separation here. You know, we cannot really separate the body, the heart, and the mind. 
And that's partly why working with the body, working through the body, breath, is so useful for us, so helpful for us. So as we attend to our experience through the body, as we get to know it, as we respond to it through the body, we're actually also um, learning skills in how to attend to the emotional life and um, already to a great degree attending to it at the time. Not fully perhaps, but to a great degree. So we really wanted to, to emphasize, you know, that um, we're doing this, uh, but it's not that our practice kind of is anti-emotion or not doesn't include emotion. It's a matter of when and how yeah, we include it. And certainly, uh, hopefully that's obvious on a retreat that includes happiness uh, in the title. Yeah. So we're not interested in suppressing, getting rid of, um, but it's about how to include skillfully, yeah. How to include skillfully, uh, include the whole range of the human condition. So when we're befriending and allowing, yeah, which is what we've been doing today, um, as an attitude, as a way of relating, we're cultivating, yeah, way of relating that's going to be there for us across a wide range of situations, not just in the meta practice, across a wide range of situations. So we have that that intention, that understanding, and we just I just wanted to put it there in the in the background. Does that make sense what I've just said? Yeah. It's it's there. So yesterday we were uh, just kind of touching on, resonating, reflecting on our intentions for being here. Yeah. And it'd be helpful to check now, you know, do I remember <laughs> what, what my intention was? Yeah. And can I, can I connect to it now as well? And we may have, you know, intent, we had intentions like peace, happiness, um, contentment, you know, growth, learning, there's a whole range of very beautiful intentions there. But it may be that some of the time today, our experience was the opposite <laughs> of our intention. Yeah? At least some of the time. That, that's possible. Yeah? That instead of meeting you know, happiness or peace, we are meeting agitation and restlessness. Yeah or aversion. But instead of kind of finding energy and inspiration, we were meeting tiredness and dullness. May have even, you know, had an intention of cultivating compassion, metta, and what we were meeting was aversion. Quite likely, if you're a human being, that you were meeting that at least part of the time. 
And so the question for us through our practice, when we meet that, you know, that's part of the unfolding kind of human condition, is to first of all just check, can I allow this? Yeah. Can I allow myself to be grumpy, or aversive, restless or agitated, tired, yeah. wanting? Yeah. Can we allow it and acknowledge it and soften around it? And remembering as we do that, and we need to sometimes <laughs> remember this, yeah, but that's not the final destination. We're not going to get, you know, we're not agreeing to be aversive for the rest of our lives. Yeah. We're just allowing and acknowledging that that's the current state of mind. Yeah. It's not a yeah, it's not a, a, a kind of unbreakable contract. Mm. So right now, can I acknowledge and allow that that's what's arising in experience? Yeah, that's a crucial step yeah, for any kind of um, response, is to allow, to acknowledge. And what happens when we allow? What happens when we acknowledge? What happens if we even bring in a little bit or a lot of a meta intention yeah, to befriend? Yeah. What happens when we do that? Now you can imagine yeah, the last time you felt aversion or restlessness or agitation all those decades ago. You just remember that feeling. Sorry, some of you probably decades ago, <laughs> your previous lifetime. Um, anyway, we imagine that and we think, okay, if I, if I can bring a sense of allowing and befriending to that experience, what happens? Just noticing for yourself. Any thoughts? There's a bit of distance. Yeah, softening. A little bit of softening, yeah. And a little bit of space, or a lot of space sometimes. Great, yeah. So yeah, really interesting. That's exactly the words I have written here. <laughs> yeah. Softening, opening, spaciousness. To some degree, yeah, and thank you for making it that, you know, very clear. It's to some degree... Yeah, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. Yeah, but that even that small degree is incredibly meaningful. Yeah. Another thing that we might kind of notice happens when we bring allowing, befriending, yeah, as a lens, as a way of relating to our experience. Another thing that can happen, yeah, is that there may be a little bit less of a sense of me there, of taking this personally. This is about me or this is who I am. Yeah. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. A little bit less, comes with that clenching. A little bit less clenching, a little bit less identification, a little bit more space. 
And the same thing can happen when we look at things and relate to them as arising and passing, like we did this morning. There might be aversion or restlessness. If I look at it, I see it, it's change, it's changeability. Softening, opening space. Slightly different uh, intensity to the sense of me and mine. This is about me, this is personal. So a widening of perspective. So we can really bring this uh, wisdom into um, the way we meet the full range of our experience. And bring this wisdom in. And it kind of illuminates some of the strong habits of our minds that I just want to touch on uh, here, that are at play. I say mind, it's heart and mind together. Sometimes we say heart, sometimes we say mind, we mean both. It highlights, illuminates some of the strong habits of the heart-mind, um, such as, and we've been touching on it through the days, fixating on something, yeah, like grabbing on to one particular thing, usually something negative. Yeah. Right? So we notice, we fixate on what is not okay. It's a strong, strong tendency of the mind got a, a name in psychology, the negativity bias. Yeah. So the fixating on something, and particularly on things that are negative. So grabbing on, shrinking around, contracting around. And um, then the sense is, in our experience, because of that contraction, that contraction is also a way of relating, that this is all there is. Yeah. There's just this aversion, or this unpleasantness, or this restlessness, or this tiredness. Yeah. It's just this. That's the totality. Yeah. So there's a narrowing down, a contraction, and a, and a fixating. So it's like being mesmerized by something. Yeah. So that's one very strong habit uh, of the mind. Yeah. The human mind. Not just your mind or my mind, the human mind. Yeah. To fixate on something out of the you know, a wide range of things, one thing or kind of one area, and particularly what is negative, unpleasant. The other is to take it personally. Yeah. So there's this, whatever is unpleasant, as I was saying this just before, um, this is about me, this is about who I am. Yeah. I'm a this kind of person or a that kind of person. I'm a restless person or a tired person or a useless meditator. It's about me. It defines me. And there's an identification with that. And then the third habit that I want to point to is that we believe it and we take it to be real. We take these these habits then shape our experience. Fixating on something, usually the unpleasant, that's the only thing that's there. Taking it personally and then believing it. This is who I am. This is true. This is how my experience is right now. This is the reality. So all this relates back to um, 
something Nathan said, I think it was this morning, what we pay attention to and how. So what we pay attention to, we pay attention to what the habits of our mind direct us to most of the time. And if that's the negative, that's what we'll see. And then how do we pay attention to it? What's the quality of the attention? So on retreat, a meditation retreat, a lot of what we'll notice, especially on the first days, um, through this kind of tendency to fixate on particulars, the unpleasant, the negative, will be things that I've mentioned already. Things like uh, restlessness and agitation. We'll notice that. And that will kind of be amplified in our attention. Or uh, its opposite, yeah, the dullness and tiredness. Yeah. And we'll notice those that kind of spectrum. Or um, we'll notice the strong desire yeah, for uh, something to be different than it is. Yeah. Probably two of the biggest ones are desire for the bell to ring for the end of a meditation and desire for lunch. I think those are the two biggest ones on retreat. Yeah. And we notice that, yeah, and we kind of are really consumed often by those experiences. And the other side of that desire is aversion. Yeah. The other side of the same coin. Yeah. The desire for the bell to ring and aversion <laughs> to the bell not ringing or to meditating being still, whatever, painful part of the body. Yeah. Desire for lunch, yeah, the aversion to whatever is present in our experience right now. Yeah. So notice them, sometimes we'll notice one, sometimes we'll notice the other. This game of kind of seeing what the other side of the coin is, is a great kind of get out of jail card <laughs> for this particular dynamic. Yeah, brings, again, spaciousness, yeah, distance, yeah perspective, less identification, seeing more, yeah, that fixation, right? We might, according to our tendency, we'll be fixated on the desire or the aversion. Once we open to see what is the other side, we're already seeing a bigger picture, yeah, we're less contracted around it. And I I think, you know, probably some of you, many of you can, can tell me what the fifth is. I've said four common things, yeah? Restlessness and tiredness, yeah? Two sides of a spectrum, desire and aversion. And the fifth uh, is doubt and confusion, yeah? I don't know what I should be doing. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how to do this. (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I wish I'd picked the other retreat. I wish I'd gone to do something at a diff- a yoga retreat, not Gaia House. I, I should have come to Gaia House, but with those teachers, not these ones. You know? So that's kind of the doubting, confused mind, which is you know, there yeah, for us. And, and if you haven't met it yet, don't hold your breath. It will arrive at some point yeah, around something. In the tradition, these are called the five hindrances. I'm sure many of you recognize them. Uh, five 
um, obstacles, five kind of energies um, of body, heart and mind that come in and uh, kind of seem to get in the way of our practice. And uh, with all of these, that capacity to allow and to recognize and to acknowledge is so important and so helpful. And that um, tendency, yeah, those tendencies that I spoke of before, yeah, the fixating around them, yeah, seeing only that, seeing only the desire, or only the aversion, or only the tiredness, or only the restlessness, or only the doubt, really strong, yeah. And if we remember that, spaciousness again, <laughs> yeah, perspective. Ah, that's what I'm seeing right now, but it's not the whole thing. Yeah, taking them personally. Yeah, so strong. We believe that this is who we are. Yeah, and we believe that it says something about us and our value. These are human tendencies, tendencies of the human mind. They were there. The Buddha spoke about them 2,600 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he didn't invent them. Yeah. So they were then there, they were there then, <laughs> and they're still here. Yeah. And sometimes I play this game, which I'm not going to do today, to ask if you've experienced any of them, and people raise their hands, and then we see. Yeah. Ah, it wasn't just me. Yeah. Human. Part of having yeah, the, a human body, heart, and mind. Yeah, it comes with a package, they arise. And in the teachings, you know, the Buddha said, you know, they are there. <laughs> yeah, they continue to arise right until full awakening. Yeah. So even almost Buddhas have them. <laughs> yeah. they, they're that human. They're so not personal. Not about you. So it can be really helpful, yeah, to kind of bring in wisdom here, to bring in befriending, to bring here skillfulness in how we relate. So we know, ah, the tendency of the mind yeah, is to only see this, to fixate on this. Yeah. Can I yeah, do one of two things? One is I can start to look at this also as changing. Arising and passing. It can have different degrees of intensity. So I can do that to see, ah, it's not fixed. Can I open out to other things? So that the mind has to open. And to see this isn't the only thing going on in experience. So I might kind of open out to something uh, that feels nice right now like the bird song. Yeah. Or that kind of sense of being well cared for yeah. by being here. Yeah. Or a sense of, you know, of meta to, to others or to ourselves. Yeah. Open up to something else. Yeah, that then helps me see it isn't the only thing and therefore that supports seeing it as not personal, not about me, not who I am. Yeah. 
which supports me to believe it at least a little bit less. Yeah. And this is an ongoing process for us. You know, we just keep falling for this. Yeah. And we keep learning to be more and more skillful with it. And so and we can we can put this into practice and see, yeah, see for ourselves what happens when I remember. Yeah, what, I rem- what happens when I remember, even for a moment, to notice something else? Yeah. To notice something else. What happens even for a moment yeah, that I remember this isn't personal, it's not who I am? What happens even for a moment when I remember this isn't real, (laughs) this isn't true in the way I'm taking it to be. Mm. So even if we remember just one of them, just for a moment, what happens? Space opens up. Space opens up, as we've been saying. And hopefully that space can be enough yeah, to bring something else into the way of relating. Yeah, some meta, some curiosity, some interest. Yeah. Some playfulness. So we allow, yeah, we befriend, we soften, we open. These are all skillful ways of relating. Yeah, softening the body, relaxing the body, opening the body. Um, expanding awareness, as we've been doing a little bit, and we'll do more tomorrow. Expanding awareness through the body. So there's a bigger space within, this, within which this is. Yeah? So we allow and befriend. We work through the body, and this impacts the heart and mind. Yeah? Here's the connection. And we'll talk more about this tomorrow. Just need a little bit of space. (laughs) And into that little bit of space, we can kind of inject more interest, more curiosity, more um, friendliness, more playfulness. And we can invite ourselves to soften, to relax, to open the body, or to soften and open the awareness in the body to see what impact that has on the heart and mind. So it's interesting, and again, you can try this for yourself, when we soften and open and relax the body, it's more difficult to take things personally. Ever noticed that before? (laughs) Very interesting. If your body's soft, open, relaxed, at ease, negative thought comes, it's more difficult for it to stick. Mm. More difficult for us to identify. You think, ah, this is me. Yeah, you can see, ah, it's just a thought moving through. So we can soften, open, relax the body, soften, open, the awareness, expand the awareness through the whole body. Um, We can also soften the the sense of identification. So when doubt comes, uh, aversion comes, desire comes, 
restlessness comes, tiredness comes. Yeah. Just remembering, ah, it feels like this is who I am, it feels like this is about me. Can I relax? Can I open? Can I soften that identification? Can I remember this is human? Yeah. Sometimes um, the Buddha really helps. <laughs> open your eyes and look at the Buddha and, and just know that he knew this also. You know? He also had doubt right until the end. Yeah. This beautiful um, story, you know, of the night of his awakening, you know, and he had made this really, you know, where did he have that faith, you <laughs> know, that courage to make this vow, I will sit here, yeah. I will sit here and not move, yeah, until I understand the causes of suffering, the causes of dukkha, yeah, and the way to, to freedom, and that and he sits there and all of these hindrances are thrown at him. <laughs> so like this, you know, that this is all myth and symbol, you know, it's really beautiful. Like arrows are shot at him, you know, like fear, aversion. Yeah. And, um, you know, beautiful food and beautiful women, yeah, desire. <laughs> and he sits there, yeah, he sits there. And the rain comes down and almost submerges him. Yeah. He sits there and he sits there. And then the very last thing yeah, that comes is, you know, this is all the embodiment, Mara, who embodies um, all the hindrances, all the obstacles in the path, turns up and says to the Buddha, who do you think you are? Yeah. Doubt. Yeah. And the most painful one, self-doubt. Who do you think you are yeah. that you could do this? Yeah. Who do you think? Right there at the end. And he puts his hand on the earth and he says, the earth is my witness yeah, that I have a right. Yeah. The earth is my witness that I have a right to understand, yeah, to do this. It's a very powerful image, and sometimes the Buddha's image, um, you see him touching the earth. Yeah, it's one of the one of the positions that he has. Yeah, he's touching the earth. The earth is my witness. So, you know, when you <laughs> find yourself meeting any of these, if that's helpful, yeah, to know, yeah, that right there at the end of his long journey yeah. it was there it came up for him too and what would it be for you to touch the earth yeah and remember uh, your right yeah. sometimes we can as people have said you know bring the sense of metta the feeling that pain uh, in ourselves and knowing right now in the hall, right in this moment, I'm going through this. There's other people here as well. Right in this moment, guaranteed you're not the only one. Yeah. And can I feel that opening again of the space as we do that with the compassion, with the care? So finding ways to soften and open yeah. and disidentify 
And really important, noticing any moments of relief and release. Yeah, so important because they will be there. Yeah. Noticing moments of relief um, and release and dwelling in them, absorbing that well-being. Yeah. That's the lingering yeah. in the title, lingering in happiness. Lingering with that well-being. Yeah. Soaking it in. That line comes from a Mary Oliver poem, which maybe we'll, we'll read. But the last lines of the poem are poems are about rain after many days without rain. <laughs> yeah. And it's about the journey the rain makes and everything it touches. And at the end it goes down a mole's tunnel <laughs> and touches some stones deep in the earth. Yeah. That lingering, that soaking in, absorbing in any well-being that arises. Remembering this is a skill we're cultivating. This is a training yeah, that, we're, that we're taking part in. So whenever we notice the mind fixated on something, yeah, we don't even need to recognize which one of the hindrances, what type of unpleasantness it is. Remembering to breathe, remembering to soften, to relax the body, to allow, to bring an intention of befriending. To not take it personally, arising and passing. And to not believe the story it's telling about you and tuning into any well-being that arises as you practice again and again. So let's have a, a quiet moment together to bring this to a close and you can stay comfortable. May our practice support us in remembering that when there's an experience, there's a way of relating. May our practice support us in the development and the cultivation of the skillful and the wholesome. And may our practice nourish the well-being and the freedom of all beings everywhere, including ourselves.
So thank you for your listening and for your practice and your presence. And we have just a little bit more than half an hour for some uh, walking practice or movement practice. And my personal favorite thing to do at this time to make a hot drink, to put on warm clothes, and to go out into the night. But yeah, find your own, that's just my recommendation. And yeah, walking, moving, looking at the sky. And we'll be back here for our final meditation together at quarter to nine. So thank you.